This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. You're listening to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. How are you doing today? Man, I I am doing okay. Uh, doing doing all right. Still trying to figure out this whole, um, you know, how do you smoke a pipe with a mask on thing? But uh, but getting 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 better, you know. <laughs> I, I have seen creative solutions on the internet. There's been all yeah. kinds of. There's no shortage of memes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> how do you do anything with a mask on now? Right? No, I know. Exactly. It's, uh, no, we're we're making it work, man. It's been good. Our customers have been uh, gracious. You know, we have a, our local ordinance. I guess has. Uh, I may have mentioned last week, you know, we have to wear masks here in our in our state and in our uh, local city, you know, which is fine. Everyone's doing their little part to, you know, whatever, uh, keep keep it up. But uh, what our restaurants are doing here locally is, uh, you know, you have to when you enter the establishment, you have to have your mask on. And then when you get get to your table. Uh, you sit down, get to your table, oh, and then okay. you can eat. Oh. Then you can remove your mask at that point. Um, and so we're we're kind of following the same rules here at the shop, and um, you know, social distancing and all that. So far, it seems to be working okay. Everyone's healthy, and uh, just trying to truck along, man. So it's, yeah, it's uh, smart. Yeah, okay, it's, yeah, that makes okay. a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, it's interesting since uh, uh, since things started with the second surge, we really you know haven't gone out to eat at all. Um, still ordering food, you know, wanting to support the local businesses and that sort of thing, but, um, but doing more of the, uh, you know, the delivery service and that sort of thing. But I was wondering about the, you know, I, cause I see the restaurants say that they'll open up, but you also have to wear your mask. And I'm like, man, how does that, how does know, that I just, work? I, yeah. I think, I think there was like a robot chicken where Darth Vader was trying to like drink a, like a milkshake and he was like, well, how is, how is this going to work? <laughs> and I was like, like yeah, it's, yeah. Anyway, that's all robot chicken. I hadn't thought about that in a while. I I actually got a haircut, which is if you if you ever, no. ever if you haven't ever seen a photo of me, then you'll know it doesn't happen very often. No, know? and, and it when does I say not. a haircut, it when I say haircut, Bo, I'm I'm talking like you know I had I had like three inches taken off kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah so that, that's still, not too much for you. It's still say. below shoulder length. Yeah, it's, I'm still a raging hippie. But when I went to get my haircut, the uh, the stylist at this place I go to, she uh, said, you have to keep your mask on. And I was like, well, how is this going to work? And um, she just very, very carefully, very deftly kind of worked her way around the mask as she uh, cut my hair. And, and uh, for part of it, I, I needed to remove one of the little ear loops. And so she asked if I would hold that half of my mask up while she removed the ear loop. And so, you know, you know if she can make it work, we can we can figure out it. We can figure it out. We can make there's it work. A, there's a path forward, man. Wow. That's that's, uh, that, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty sure. wild. So anyway, <laughs> what's going on in Houston, man? Are y'all doing okay? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. Just, uh, you know, just taking it a day at a time. Um, you know, some days easier than others and some days not as easy as those, but we are, uh, we are doing, doing our best to, uh, keep in high spirits. And, you know, one of the things I was reminded very recently, I had a listener uh, of a different show right in, although we've gotten several emails like this for this show, but, but recently I got an email written in from uh, a show that, uh, I've referenced before flash TV talk, which is, you know, it was about, Oh the, yeah. Yeah, television series of Flash, and obviously there's no TV series to talk about, so we're not <laughs> not doing that podcast right now. But uh, but just somebody you know mentioned just with uh, you know the, them being laid off work and everything, they've gone back and they know that we don't you know have new content that we can really talk about, but just how much it's meant to be able to 
to listen in to, to some conversations and get kind of a sense yeah. of normalcy. I mean, the, the reality is, is, you know, despite the fact that right now we're taking an awful lot of time to talk about it, uh, you know, from a podcast standpoint, there's not a whole lot of, you know, direct impact uh, for many of us that record remotely. I mean, you know, the, the experience is fairly the same. The content for all intents and purposes is fairly yeah. the same. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that kind of sense of normalcy, I think, you know, brings people a lot of, a lot of comfort, at least for a couple of moments. So, um, yeah, I, I, we, I know, you know, it was just a nice reminder that what we do, I know it's, it's fun for us, man. We're able to get together and, uh, touch base with one another, but, you know, just recognizing that a lot of people, you know, this is, this is one very small, seemingly insignificant way that we can actually serve our audience by hopefully providing you a little, little moment of relaxation. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Man, we've got a uh, we got uh, a great episode. Speaking of uh, beautiful places to talk about this uh, this week, uh, but first we want to let everybody know. Of course, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can uh, help make it happen by heading over to Patreon.com/slash/CountrySquireRadio, where you can join the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club. Uh, and then also we want to let you know that uh, we are putting out the call to those of you in your local communities. Uh, how are your pipe shops and pipe clubs? Uh, getting through this time? Like what are some of the best practices that you're seeing? We want to put together kind of a special episode where we're really highlighting some uh, some folks in the industry. And, and when I say the industry, I'm, I'm talking really more the brick and mortar industry, the folks that are uh, part of the local pipe communities. Uh, what are some of the best practices you're seeing? This is a great chance to brag on your local pipe shop. Uh, so send those in show at countrysquireradio.com. Again, that is show at countrysquireradio.com. And uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, can't wait to do that episode, man. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it will too. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how folks are, um, you know, pivoting and adjusting and just supporting each other kind of during this time. Um, man, a c- couple announcements from from our end. I don't know if I mentioned this in the past couple of weeks. I, I meant to and have failed probably, but um, you know, we have dear uh, longtime friends of the show, and and if you've listened for a long time, you, you've probably either heard or in, even interacted with uh, Mark VV, Mark Van Vranken from um, from right outside New Orleans. Good dear personal friend and and long longtime friend of the show. Um, him and or he and I don't know which uh, correct word, but uh, you know I'm from the south we don't typically care about that very much but um the uh <laughs> the, he and padre piper from youtube man uh, also a good uh friend of ours have collaborated with the folks at briar report uh briar report a stellar you know fantastic publication that is centered on uh the pipe tobacco world and briar report tv brtv uh they uh have kind of engaged with padre piper and mark vv to do a series of uh, tobacco reviews. Oh, cool. Now they've done this before. They've worked their way through, uh, you know, different tobaccos before. But this time they have been um, kind enough. They've honored us uh, enough to actually select our Middle Earth series uh, here at the Country Squire Ooh, to uh, to go through and review. And so pretty cool. They they actually are going to work their way through the entire six uh, blend lineup that we've got in the Middle Earth series. And so uh, what they're doing, it's kind of kind of cool. They they uh, asked us to create. Um, a sampler pack, and so we've done that. You can actually go on our website uh, and order the BRTV sampler pack, and that pack uh, will send you everything that they're going to review, and then you can go ahead and smoke those blends, and then by the time they come out with their episodes discussing those blends, you'll have them right there with you to uh, to review right alongside them and kind of compare notes. So um, it's really cool, man. We're really thankful to um, you know be a, be a part of that and and honored that they would um, you know collaborate with us. So um, pretty cool. So check that out. And uh, BRTV, Briar Report, obviously, they won uh, for our um, best of 
2019 best pipe publication of the year and and certainly uh, certainly earn that every day so so check that out yeah and then uh, also we in the very near future uh, will have more of our 50th anniversary pipe tobacco uh, which is uh, of course a tinned tobacco uh, it's a collaboration between us and Sutliff and um, man just a delicious uh, full-bodied uh, Virginia Perique uh, crumble cake and uh, just really really well done very proud of it very very thankful for how it came out and uh, we you know had one run of that it went really well and so uh, expect more of that here in the very very near future and uh, that'll be one way you can help us celebrate our um, our 50th anniversary man so it should be good cool. yeah that's uh, that's exciting yeah can't wait to uh, can't wait. did I, I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this before but uh, I mean we just talked about this last week I, I, have I seen the 10 art for this yet because you you know yeah, yeah, I know. It's very important <laughs> to you, right? I actually, yeah, I sent you a 10 at one point, and I, I, you've probably That's got right. it. Actually, you, you know what? You've got a lot in your yeah, plate. Yeah, 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 but yeah. I sent you, not too long ago, actually, I think I sent you a care package, but, you know, uh, what, one thing we haven't done, and, and we probably ought to do out of, you know, just selfless or selfish uh, promotion, <laughs> uh, we, we probably ought to take maybe a, a Squire uh, or a tobacco talk episode or something and just kind of use that as a chance to uh, discuss our 50th anniversary blend and kind of, you know, how it was made and how it came up and what our vision was for that and uh, some tasting notes and things of that nature. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll try to do that. That That's something we haven't done yet that we probably ought to do. All right. But, um, okay. Anyway, it's been a, been a great tobacco. We're very thankful for it. And um, yeah, I hope we can, hope we can keep it going. <laughs> that'll be a, that'll be a good one, man. I'm, I'm excited for that. Okay. Well, great. Uh, man, we've got a, uh, we got a great episode of course, uh, today we are, uh, I guess, you know, reopening a series, uh, would, would be one way to say it. Um, you know, obviously here at country squire radio, we've got a, a number of ongoing series that we do from time to time, uh, where we, you know, cover, cover different topics. It's kind of a, a fun, a fun way to, to, to spread out, uh, topics. So for example, you mentioned, of course, Squire Select, where we kind of pair pipe tobaccos and whiskeys or tobacco talks, which are a little bit more reviews. Well, very recently, we started a brand new series called Pipe Capitals of the World. Uh, now, we were really excited when this kind of idea came about. I want to say it was actually a user or rather a listener uh, generated idea that kind of came up. Um, with somebody asking us to kind of explore various places that are significant to the, the pipe world. And the first one we did was on Denmark. Now, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and pull back the curtain a little bit and say that one of the things that, that you know, whenever we kind of look at a new series, there's always a question of like, is this an episode or is this a series? Is there enough content in here to stretch out over enough amount of time, theoretically an infinite amount of time, uh, in order for us to really qualify this as a series? Um, and you know, man, pipe capitals of the world. Absolutely. There's so many different ways to look at this. There's so many different cities, regions, uh, places, countries, of course, where, you know, uh, there is such a rich pipe, uh, tobacco history, pipe or pipe tobacco history. And in this, uh, in this situation, man, I, I was, I was excited because we kicked things off with Denmark and, and, you know, when we were talking about this in preparation, uh, that we were going to reopen this series, I, I encouraged you, I said, man, you know, let's, let's really, let's look at this. Let's, you know, don't, don't think big, baby well, well, <laughs> on, on, the, on the contrast. I was like, think, think small, right? Think, think, uh, you know, we, we want this to be a, a large series. We want to be able to get like very, very, you know, uh, microscopic in the way that we kind of look at these different pinpoints on the map and, and, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to do a country. You could, you could do a city. You could, you could do a neighborhood, you know, like let's, let's really get in there. I could there. do a shop if I wanted to. You could to, do yeah. a shop if you wanted to. Let's, let's really kind of like, you know, unpack what it, what it 
question what it even means to be a bike capital of the world. <laughs> so John David, I am super excited with that kind of, you know, charge uh, to find out what you chose as kind of the, the uh, pipe capital of the world that we're looking into today. Yeah, I chose a continent. <laughs> <laughs> I did, man. You know, it, it's funny. When you think of Pipe Capital's world, obviously capital, you think of a city or, a you know, kind of a specific building or location. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of obvious places like that that we'll get to maybe later in the series, uh, places where, uh, you know, famous pipe manufacturers are located, where, uh, you know, some of the best briar in the world is harvested or, you know, very specific leaves are, are grown or processed. I mean, we could uh, you know, talk about those things a lot and, and, and will. Uh, but I, I wanted to throw a curveball here very early in the series and, um, and and mix it up some. And so, um, you know, Bo, when you think of tobacco, you know, a lot of times we think of, you know, pi- well, when we think of pipe tobacco, we think of America. We think of the American DNA and uh, the founding of our country and how the, uh, you know, Native Americans interacted with the uh, early settlers, you know, Sir Walter Raleigh and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and, and you know, so when you when you think of that, you think of uh, places like Virginia and Maryland and, and Kentucky and Tennessee and, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, places where, you know, this stuff was cultivated and uh, really became a part of our DNA. And so, um, you know, that's that's kind of what we have in our in our mind, you know, with pipe tobacco. A lot of a lot of folks are like, oh, pipe tobacco. That's you know, that's that's Kentucky. That's Tennessee. That's uh, that's that's Virginia. That's uh, North Carolina, you know, tobacco row. And um, and and so, you know, you think about that. Uh, it's it's kind of neat. But but where do you think on Earth the most Virginia pipe tobacco is grown? I mean, I, I feel like I have to answer that with Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be wrong okay. because the answer <laughs> the answer is Africa. Toto going. That's it, baby. That's it. You know, it it's it's amazing. We're talking today about Africa, pipe capital capital of the world. It's funny. We'll we'll talk about some specific countries here uh in Africa soon, but I want to talk about the whole continent and its growth in pipe tobacco uh, because the modern pipe tobacco uh, industry would not exist. The, the the delicious blends that we know and love, some of the uh, most iconic blends even, uh, would not exist today if it weren't for tobacco cultivated uh, in Africa. And, and and I wanted to discuss that. So here's our curveball, right? We're going to talk about uh, African pipe tobacco. Kind of kind of neat. Uh, capital of the world. Uh, you know, it, we, we do. We think of America in terms of that, um, you know, pipe tobacco central, you know, and, and obviously, of course, we, you know, with the the um, birthplace of it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, modern pipe tobacco, we we certainly can, uh, can claim that. But um, in 1970, the United States Produced three hundred sixty-three thousand uh, hectares of tobacco. I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. A, a, a what now? A, a hectare. A hectare is, uh, if I'm remembering right, it's two point five acres or there thereabout. So, um, so th- over three hundred fifty thousand, over three hundred sixty thousand uh, hectares of of pipe tobacco. Okay, grown or tobacco wow. in general grown in the United States. Dare I so, say um, that's a hectare of a lot of t- pipe tobacco? Gosh. You just- <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, man, and and so you know, those are the numbers in 1970. All of Africa in 1970, uh, the the entire continent, uh, two over 200, uh, just 203,000 uh, hectares of tobacco grown on the African continent. And so, so you know, in 1970, 80 percent uh, more tobacco was grown in the United States than it was uh, in the entire continent of Africa. And, you know, we fast forward to, to 2014 uh, numbers, and uh, the numbers are, are dramatically different. Uh, the United States, uh, 153,000 hectares of uh, pipe to, or of tobacco in general, uh, much of which is pipe tobacco we'll talk about shortly. And then uh, in all of Africa, the entire continent, 404 uh, he- thousand hectares, and so that's you know that we we went from you know two hundred and three in nineteen seventy to four hundred and four, and of course the um you know American numbers have dropped uh, over half, and so um man I mean and, and just to just to give you that in acres you know four hundred and four hectares of of uh, tobacco that's a mil- that's about a, a million acres of of tobacco wow. it's it's a million that's acres huge. that's a lot of tobacco yeah so um it's it's amazing you know places. We used to think of uh, those those names that I uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, obviously, you know, North Carolina, West Virginia, uh, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, um, you know, parts of Pennsylvania. You know, a, a lot of these, the, the modern names uh, sprinkled along with those that are just as important nowadays to the industry are, um, you know, in places like Malawi, Tanzania, uh, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, uh, Uganda, Kenya. Um, it's it's really fascinating, you know, um, to, to kind of think about, uh, you know, the connections there and how those things have uh, have changed over time. So um, pretty wild. Tobacco uh, has been grown in some capacity in Africa for centuries. Um, in the 19th century, you know, 1800s, uh, tobacco was, was produced in uh, Central and South Africa uh, to some degree, but major growth, you know, came to that region uh, really by the late 1800s. And of course, um, you know, it, it's tied up with so much of the history of Africa. It's so rich and and full, and and, and a lot of it, you know, with its dealings with the outside uh, world, has been frankly sad. And so the, uh, you know, the tobacco, you know, portion of it is is tied along with that, right? We, um, you know, can't divorce those two things. But uh, major growth in high quality pipe tobacco began in the um, the late 1800s. In 1893, uh, 40 pounds, and this is 1893, okay, this is uh, over, what, 125-something some, years ago, um, as we're recording, uh, 40 pounds of tobacco was shipped from southern Rhodesia, which is, you know, now part of Zimbabwe, but was shipped from southern Rhodesia to Great Britain. All right, 40 pounds of tobacco from southern Rhodesia to Great Britain. That that was the first that was the first tobacco leaf imported to Great Britain from its empire since the loss of the American colonies. Huh, so, okay. so 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 Africa brought tobacco back to the British Empire is what I'm trying to say. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of fascinating, you know. They they were like, well, "We can we, we've grown tobacco before. Like, wait, let's go try that again." And uh, of course, you know, Africa has such uh, you know the land availability and and that type of thing, and um, 
and and so really really fascinating. Uh, it kind of as an aside, you know, this area, this kind of but you know region in in southern Africa, which is now Zimbabwe, uh, we've referred to it so often in the past as um, as Rhodesia or Southern Rhodesia. Um, you know that if that name sounds familiar to the pipe smoker, um, there's a reason for that. Uh, well, I was gonna I was gonna ask, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I mean, you 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 hear Rhodesia and immediately. Uh, you think of the Rhodesian pipe, which, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, because we've done a we've done an episode on the Rhodesian pipe before, and it, am I wrong in assuming that that actually has more to do with the dog, the Rhodesian dog, than it does the Rhodesian continent or uh, not continent, but uh, country? Or no, the 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 connection you're making there is actually the Rhodesian is kind of the sister pipe to the bull. That's what I'm thinking. Um, okay. That's it. That's it. And so, you know, we always talk about uh, Rhodesians uh, have a round shank and bulldogs have a squared shank. That's it, kind of the traditional definition. Some people will say, uh, you know, bulldogs are, uh, you know, are straight uh, diamond shank pipes and Rhodesians are bent diamond shank pipes. I don't know. You, you know, pipe smokers, we love to argue about this kind of stuff. But typically, no, it's true. Typically, I've heard the, uh, you know, it, it, the round shank is for Rhodesian, right? You've got the diamond shank for bulldog with the kind of uh, angular bowl and then the round shank for Rhodesian. So yeah, we have a we have a pipe shape uh, named for this area. Uh, the area actually got its name from a, a man named Cecil Rhodes, who you know was a was a British guy. He was a, an explorer and a. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, John David. I'm yeah. sorry, John David. You, you didn't have his name is Cecil. We know he's a British guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, no clarification needed, right? Yeah, no clarification. Needed. It's like, oh, he's British. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> of yeah, course. Okay, that's redundant. No, you know, yeah, Cecil Rhodes. You know, during that area was part of the British uh, exploration. You know, uh, uh, sophisticated. Uh, you know, folk that that wanted to exploit. Uh, you know, kind of frankly, a defenseless Africa. You know, and so he went into that area in the 1880s and um, and, and really, you know, kind of took advantage of. Uh, you know, of the availability there of the workforce and, you know, uh, land and, and um, you know, lack of, uh, you know, connectivity to the outside world and all those things. And so uh, that's when the, uh, you know, major growth of quality pipe tobacco began on the African continent uh, was was during that season. And so, um, yeah, just kind of fascinating that, that because of that, it brought, uh, you know, the cultivation of that premium tobacco uh, back to the British Empire. So kind of, you know, I never really, yeah, I never really thought about it from the standpoint of like after the, after the Revolutionary War, or how you know uh, trade dealings not not great between America and, and Britain. <laughs> yeah, man, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, that's one of those things that um, you know it disrupted entire um, you know entire economies uh, and not just forms of government. You know, so um, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty fascinating. Of course, the you know tobacco uh, industry was no different, um, no different from that. So Brightleaf in particular, uh, you know, took off in this area uh, and and was flu cured in the American tradition. Brightleaf being that. Uh, that Virginia tobacco leaf that uh, I'm extremely partial to, you know, um, lots of natural sugar and, you know, tobacco that uh, has that nice kind of uh, honey color to it that, uh, you know, just is so packed full of flavor um, that we you love to blend with. And, and of course, uh, the most popular pipe tobacco 
um, in the world. Um, and then the flu curing, you know, they, they began that, uh, you know, in that American way of, uh, you know, applying heat to the leaf, but not in a direct form. And so, uh, you know, the, the tobacco was able to be cured without, uh, you know, receiving as much of the, um, you know, the smoke particles and that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, that, that area was, was, you know, kind of, uh, it started uh, started that uh, that tradition, and uh, the growth continued. Uh, by 1950, uh, Zimbabwe alone produced 100 million pounds of tobacco a year, <laughs> and that's you know that's it's it's breathtaking. The numbers are, are truly breathtaking when you uh, think about it. And that was in 1950. Before uh, you know, certainly it's much bigger today. Um, you know, in between then and now, I mean, we we can think about the history of Africa, the colonialization, and the decolonialization and the, um, you know, warring uh, factions and, uh, you know, economic progress in some areas and uh, stagnation in others. And so, you know, it's just a lot of uh, drama, you know, that, that we see over the past 200 years uh, in that part of the world. And, and, and so the uh, tobacco production, you know, kind of mirrored that. It was up and down uh, between then and now. But today has stabled out to some degree. The same area that produced 100 million pounds of tobacco a year uh, today uh, produces over 500 million pounds of tobacco. <laughs> it's just, it's truly breathtaking, yeah. And so, you know, when when I say, you know, Africa is a pipe capital of the world, uh, the the entire continent, and you know, we're we're talking about uh, these beautiful, you know, countries, places like uh, Tanzania, Mozambique, Uganda, Zimbabwe, uh, Kenya. You know, we, we we're we're talking in a very true, very uh, integrated way into our. Uh, into what you're enjoying on a daily basis as a pipe smoker. It's really um, pretty fascinating. So, yeah, you know, why is this? Why did this um, Why did this take place? You know, isn't uh, uh, tobacco, like so many crops, dependent on uh, climate and soil conditions and, you know, specific geography and all this kind of stuff? And, um, and of course, the answer is, well, yeah, it, it, it is. But, you know, Africa has a lot of that. And, um, you know, there's many factors at play here. And, you know, the, the the first thing, obviously, we're going to, you know, have to point to is the economics of it. I mean, that's just kind of the elephant in the room. Well, it's it's probably cheaper to grow and cultivate and, you know, uh, process tobacco in, in Africa than it is in uh, the United States. You know, but there are other factors, too. Soil quality and the, uh, you know, location and things like that. Uh, in some ways, are are very good in Africa for for specific types of tobaccos. So, um, you know, to the economic point, a place like Zimbabwe, the largest African uh, producer, the average annual income is is thirty six hundred dollars a year in in Zimbabwe. So, um, you know, just um, just very. Um, you know, these are these are not particularly developed countries, um, you know, it, it compared to the Western world and, you know, certainly the, um, you know, lavish lifestyle that we uh, get to enjoy every day. But, um, you know, in the United States, that same number is uh, is $60,000. Right. And so, you know, just the, uh, you know, cost of labor and all that stuff. We see that everywhere, right? I mean, even in our own state, uh, you know, uh, or my state, your former state of Mississippi, you know, you still, you still claim it, you love it, but, you know, this used to be a, a major center of uh, of uh, furniture production, and, and a lot of that, of course, has uh, gone overseas to, uh, you know, places like Myanmar and 
Thailand and China and, and, and other places like that. And so now that, that's that right the, there, man, like yeah. right down the, uh, right down the street from, uh, my old studio, there was a bunch of, uh, uh old fa- uh, furniture factories. Yeah. Yeah. We just, you know, had a lot of that, uh, particularly up in the uh, Northeast part of the state, you had, uh, you know, uh, Lane and Broyhill companies. I mean, they were, uh, based out of there. And so, um, yeah, just, you know, really interesting, but a lot of that, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, it's actually cheaper for us in some ways to, you know, take the raw product, ship it to China, create the stuff, and then put it back on a boat and send it halfway across the world again. It's cheaper to do all that than it is to produce a couch in Tupelo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, huh. so it's just kind of, you know, it's it's fascinating. That's uh, part of our, you know, for good or for bad. We all have opinions on um, globalization and all that kind of stuff. But um, that's just the nature of, um, you know, the reality today. You know, the danger in all of this, right, we, we talk about the amount of, you know, pipe tobacco that's grown in Africa. And, you know, the, the thing that obviously we want to say is, you know, we the, the danger here is that, you know, uh, you know, we protect wages of farmers and, you know, make sure that child labor is, is out of the question and things like that. And, and a matter of fact, the U.S. is even banned for periods of time. Uh, you know, imports from, you know, specific countries because they've been, you know, just wanting to protect, you know, the local populations and and that kind of thing. But, you know, as as things continue to develop and uh, processes get, uh, you know, better and and the pressure for, uh, you know, better working conditions is is more, um, you know, then then obviously practices uh, get more perfected and, and, and the, you know, quality of the product gets more perfected as well. And so, um, yeah, it's just kind of kind of fascinating. In, in some ways, Africa is best equipped to grow premium pipe tobacco. The bright leaf that is so uh, prolific there, um, you know, it specifically likes. Uh, it, it's interesting. You would think what what kind of plant would really really love to grow in sandy, thin, uh, nutritionally poor soil, right? I mean, what what would want to grow in that? And you think like, okay, well, maybe a cactus. <laughs> but, you know, the answer to that is um, in, in a lot of uh, varieties is bright leaf tobacco, uh, which, uh, you know, this these kind of conditions are abundant in some of these countries, which uh, can grow this, you know, specific type of uh, crop where, you know, they may not be able to grow other things. And so, um, yeah, it's just, you know, kind of fascinating. It's in some ways tailor-made for that part of the world. Um, and, and you know, Africa has a diversity there, uh, you know, not just Virginia leaf, Burleys, uh, fire-cured tobaccos. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of the whole, all the tobaccos that would go into making a really good black Cavendish. Um, you know, these are um, these are grown uh, right there and, and very likely a part of one of your favorite blends that, uh, that you smoke even today. Wow. Yeah, kind of fascinating. As politics changed in the United States, too, obviously, uh, you know, with the kind of anti-smoking culture and all that type of stuff, uh, you know, there was a lot of pressure for uh, U.S. farmers to kind of, you know, leave tobacco behind or maybe switch to something uh, different as far as, you know, what they cultivated, um, you know, and so Africa was poised for growth during this era, too. You know, the, the 1970s, 80s, 90s, uh, you know, you had uh, them kind of stepping up, filling the void uh, with the, um, you know, efforts to reduce production of tobacco in the United States. And so, you know, the what's interesting is that the the reduction of pro- the 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 production of tobacco went down faster 
than the use of tobacco um, in the U.S. And so, you know, there's still this pent-up need, and, you know, particularly with pipe tobacco, which was king, you know, the 70s and 80s, everyone's smoking a, you know, big old good pipe. And, and so, you know, there was a need for that and in, enters the, uh, you know, the, the players in Africa, particularly uh, players like Kenya and Zimbabwe and Malawi and Tanzania, um, you know, that stepped up to the plate for this this period. And, of course, um, you know, took that over. And, and so, you know, and, and two, in some ways, the government, we, you know, in the United States was really encouraging farmers to to make the switch, you know, from everything from soybeans to sweet potatoes, you know, I mean, just, you know, here, let's give you some kind of incentive, whether it's uh, financial, you know, directly or a, uh, maybe a tax incentive or something to to make that switch. And so um, so that happened, you know, pretty regularly uh, over the next, um, you know, next several uh, decades there. But and, and it brings us to, you know, kind of where we are today. And, and that is that so much a very large percentage of uh, of tobacco um, it, that's used for pipes is grown in Africa today. And uh, it's, it, like I said, a, a great variety, you know, anything from, you know, some of the most high quality burleys to the most sophisticated, nuanced uh, Virginias that have a lot of natural sweetness. And, and, and I'm not talking about just drugstore tobacco, obviously. We're talking about uh, tobaccos that are used by, uh, you know, folks uh, named Mac Barron. Or, uh, you know, Peter Stokeby, uh, Lane and all its, uh, you know, uh, affiliated brands uh, that, you know, come from Lane and uh, the Planta tobaccos, Kohlhaas and Kopp that we love. Um, You know, there are some producers, you know, that shy away from using it that really are trying to stick to more uh, American tobaccos. And so, you know, folks like Cornell and Deal, GLPs, uh, my understanding is is they try to use the old belt leaf more often, the, the old, uh, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, kind of kind of feature that leaf. But again, these are American companies, you know, these are, you know, you don't see... Right, you don't, that has more to do with the story than it does with the actual It does. I mean, yeah. embrace the home product and the home team and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, that's understandable to some some degree. You know, but it, it's interesting. Some of my favorite tobaccos in the world, if you've listened to the show uh, long enough, uh, number one, you probably need a therapist. And number two, you, <laughs> you know that I really love, uh, you know, Orlick Golden Sliced and uh, the uh, Mac Baron HH Pure Virginia. Those are both top three tobaccos for me. Uh, I'm just a, a Virginia lover and, uh, you know, particularly like that you know brighter leaf and uh, and and those feature uh, even Orlick it features African tobacco and so um, that bright leaf has grown um, grown right there HH uh, Bold Kentucky um, you know so many of the Peter Stokeby flake tobaccos these have uh, you know African high quality leaves in there that um, you know have gotten better and better over the uh, over the decades you know just some interesting facts uh, Zimbabwe is the sixth largest just that country alone is the sixth largest tobacco tobacco grower in the world. Ninety-five percent of Zimbabwe's tobacco uh, is is that flu-cured tobacco. It's that that bright leaf that um, you know that we love. And twenty um, percent of the world's flu-cured tobacco is actually grown in this one region. Twenty percent. And so you know you think about how much that is. And but not cured there. Is that correct? It's like it's grown there, but not cured there. 
Well, some of it's cured there. Yeah, yeah. Some right, of it's but cured I guess there. what I'm saying is it's it not not uh, it's not blended there. It's not you know packaged and you know made into uh, you know tinned up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's flavored and blended in places that we uh, might be a little more familiar with, like Copenhagen and uh, you know Richmond, Virginia, Sutliff Factory and places like that. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's grown grown in these locations. So yeah, thirty one thousand metric tons of tobacco were grown in Uganda. Uh, this was, I believe, in 2017. And, and in, the, in the state of Virginia, uh, that same uh, number was, uh, was 21,000 metric tons. And so, uh, you know, th- there's more Virginias grown in Uganda than there are uh, in Virginia. <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing, yeah. And so, uh, you know, we've just seen the development there. But uh, it, it's a part of our, um, you know, it's a part of the pipe story, just, as like, just like it's a part of, uh, you know, so many other stories in, in uh, different trades and different, um, you know, it, it, production, you know, industries and things of that nature. It's just, um, you know, it's how, how the world has gone. And so uh, the, the tobacco from Africa, uh, you know, has gotten better. It's gotten more, uh, you know, fruitful and, and um, you know, the production has gotten more efficient. And it winds up in places like, uh, you know, Houston, Texas and, and Jackson, Mississippi. So. So I'm kind of curious in terms of like distribution from that standpoint, because, you know, obviously with, uh, and I mean, this is going to be true of any pipe tobacco capital of the world, if it's not, you know, here in the United States is it's got, it's got a trek to get from the field to your bowl. Right. Um, and so I'm kind of curious, especially for, you know, blenders and, you know, you mentioned, of course, um, you know, like the, the, the notion of kind of having this relationship with where, the pipe tobacco comes through. Like, where would somebody even like if I wanted to go direct to the source? Is that even possible? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because you have to buy an, an extreme bulk, I would imagine. Of course, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, these these tobacco, um, you know, tobaccos come to uh, the manufacturers through brokers. There are brokers that know and deal with, uh, you know, the grower there locally that have some associations, and then you know those brokers deal uh, between the farmer and uh, you know the the manufacturer has a buyer and so they're constantly looking for leaf trying samples uh, in some cases going to the uh, to the farm and and um, you know seeing it firsthand how it's cultivated and um, yeah and that's how you know that's how this stuff is uh, is worked in some in some ways the farmer has its own agent just like a pro football you know star would have its own agent and that person is out there looking for the best deals for them and and trying to um, trying to find the best uh, the best uh, buyer or, or vice versa the um, you know the buyer is trying to find the best product, and so uh, they have a representative that's hunting the stuff down. And you know, before you know it, they're like, "Okay, this is high quality stuff. We can use it for uh, you know product X, Y, and Z that we're producing." And I want you to send me, um, you know, you know, thirty-eight you know, tons of this stuff or whatever. And so it, it winds up in these huge uh, crate boxes and in, in places, like we said, like the uh, MacBaron uh, factory in Denmark or uh, the um, Stokeby, you know, Scandinavian tobacco group uh, factories, uh, the Lane uh, factory that we toured in uh, Atlanta. May it, uh, may it be remembered? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to, I was going to reference that because of course, you know, while we were there, we saw just all these like incredible, like, these, uh, 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 you know, just crates and, and packages and they had labels from just all over the world and just all yeah. these different African countries and everything. Yeah. And even just like, uh, Uganda and Namibia and, you know, I mean, that's where, uh, some of the leaf comes from, uh, Mozambique, you know, and, um, yeah, I mean, we, we got to see that firsthand. So pretty, pretty powerful. 
And it was not a small amount. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was one of the things that I think was just incredible to see is just like this massive amount of pipe tobacco. I remember your eyes. <laughs> you were like Scrooge McDuck looking in the uh, gold room. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I want to swim in it. want to swim in pipe tobacco. Yeah. That would, it would definitely be me. I'm gonna it would be like, you. Can I just have, can I just have enough to put in like, like a kiddie pool, you know, like right, one of those right. like, blue plastic kiddie pools just to like roll around it. Uh, by the way, I always thought like Scrooge McDuck, like diving into the, you know, in diving into the, the, the bed of coins that I just think that would really hurt. That was an impossibility. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pipe tobacco <laughs> would be a little more, uh, a little more reasonable, I think. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> that's great. Well, man. All right. Well, Africa pipe capital of the world. You went with the continent. We're yeah, gonna, you, you were this like, is going to be a short you, series. This is going to be a short even, series. Yeah. The, the next continent we'll talk about, uh, Antarctica. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're you just going to knock them all out. awesome Antarctican uh, pipe tobacco. No, some of the best in the world. And, uh, man, grown, grown right there on, um, on, on the African continent. Yeah, man. Well, good stuff. Well, hey, you know, one of the great things is, you know, if if, uh, if your interest is peaked, if this has kind of got your mouth watering a little bit, if you want to, uh, you know, uh, try out some, uh, you know, like grab grab your nearest Virginia tobacco and really kind of experience all the uh, the flavors that have been grown and cured and aged over time, the best way to do so with a good quality smoke from our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. Man, that is right. Uh, we love Missouri Meerschaum pipes, and obviously we uh, you know, enjoy talking about them every week. I am a Virginia smoker and think Virginia's uh, you know, are smoked best out of, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke about this recently, actually, to our friend Brian on, on his show. Uh, he was gracious enough, I think I mentioned, to have me on, and we talked about uh, some different things. And, and, and I I talked about smoking Virginia Flakes. Most people, it seems like I know, uh, smoke Virginia Flakes out of a tall, more narrow bowl. And and I've kind of gravitated over the past uh, few years to kind of a more prince-shaped pipe, kind of a squatty uh, bowl that uh, is is a little wider around so you can kind of see down in there and manipulate those flakes while you're smoking it. And and one pipe from Missouri Meerschaum that fits the bill on this is the Morgan corncob pipe um, that they have. Morgan The Morgan corncob pipe from Missouri Meerschaum. Uh, it's just a really nice kind of squat uh, oval bowl. It, it's almost like um, a, a little apple-shaped pipe or a, or a prince. Very nice. Uh, it comes in a natural finish and a polished finish, um, and uh, just a very inexpensive pipe. It ranges from uh, under $6 to under $10, and you can get it from the source uh, in Washington, Missouri uh, at, at Missouri Meerschaum. Go to corncobpipe.com, uh, click on cobs. All their great products are listed right there, and um, man, I'm, we know if you get one, you'll love it. Absolutely. And uh, be sure if you uh, happen to be smoking the Morgan this week, uh, be sure to take a picture, tweet yourself doing so. It's a great way to let the good folks at Missouri Mersham know you appreciate them for sponsoring this show. Pipe, Pipe question, question of, of the week. week. Pipe question of the week this week coming in from Brian. Brian writing in saying, hello, JD and Bo. Many thanks for a fantastic podcast. I download and listen regularly. Great education and fantastic entertainment. Question. A year ago, I took the family on our first European vacation, and one of the stops was Dublin, where I made a pilgrimage to the Peterson shop. Ah, the bucket list, uh, you know, pipe pipe shop, right? <laughs> we need to, we need to make a bucket list of pipe shops out there. That could be an unserious. Oh, okay. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> of course, I had to buy a pipe for, at the flagship store. I decided on rusticated Aaron XL02. And in all of the excitement, I made a mistake of not running a cleaner through the pipe before I bought it. Unfortunately, now I have a pipe that smokes great, 
but I can't run a cleaner through the pipe. It stops where the stem and the shank come together. Is there anything that I can do to fix this on my <laughs> own? Thanks. And again, that is Brian. Man. That is one thing about a Peterson, man. Gosh, I, you know. I, I have this, you know, uh, the thing about Petersons, man. I, I I won't uh won't won't pick one off the shelf unless I can run a cleaner through it, and and it's one of those things that uh you know uh, you're you're able. I think their production is getting better. Their drilling is getting more precise. Where hmm. uh you know you can you know more often than not now run one through uh, a lot of their pipes. But but you know Peterson over the past you know few decades has had an issue with their drilling, and um and and so you know I I would highly recommend if you uh, have the ability to, or you're thinking about buying a Peterson, uh, see if you can run a cleaner, uh, through it first. If it's, uh, you know, if you're purchasing it through a, uh, online retailer, which, you know, so many people do, uh, now, you know, see what their return policy is. You know, if you, uh, if, if that's a real big issue for you, um, and you're thinking about it, if, if the pipe cleaner, it, it's not a big issue for everybody, but if it is, uh, you want to be able to run a pipe cleaner all the way through your pipe without taking it apart. Uh, if that's a big issue for you and you, and you want to buy a Peterson, just check with your, um, you know, online retailer, what their return policy is and all that kind of stuff to make Make sure um, you know that you can bring it back. But Petersons, they 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 do. They kind of have this. Uh, I mean, I've had you know five hundred dollar Petersons in our shop that have not been able to run a pipe cleaner, and so it, some of, some of that is their you know the system that they have with the you know with the. Uh, chamber in there, the the basin to collect, uh, you know, the moisture and saliva. Some of those are just literally not drilled for that. It's it's produced so that that's impossible, and they know that going into it. Um, you know, uh, others from their lines, uh, you know, the Aaron uh, in particular. You know, this you know this we would like to think this is a pipe that would have been able to run a cleaner, but uh, the the XLO two very popular. Um, you know, and it, so it is. Uh, you know, it is one of their more standard pipes, beautiful pipe, and I, I'm sure it looks great, and hopefully it smokes really good. It sounds like it does, but um, yeah, you know, honestly, Brian, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> you can't, you can't do anything about it, man. You could have a new stem cut, you know, by by one of these pipe maker pros in the United States and or something, and you know, see if they could line up the uh, the airway in a new tenon and and stem to the airway in the in the, at the end of the mortise hole of the of the shank but i, I man you're really you're really just not going to be able to do anything about it so <laughs> yeah man it's uh it's just part of it and and you know we've talked about too before how that affects a lot of other things with your pipe it's going to uh, build up more moisture uh, in that area your pipe will, will smoke hotter uh, because of that but you know it, a lot of pipes do that a lot of pipes can't run a cleaner and you know they still smoke smoke good enough or you know some of them smoke great and you just kind of kind of get through it and you wait till your pipe cools down to take it apart to clean it and uh, that's part of the experience so um, anyway yeah just truck along man enjoy your pipe and um, maybe the next one you get you can uh, run that cleaner through but at least this one you know you always uh, you know you got it at the shop in uh, in Dublin and that's pretty special yeah, no, that, that's right. You got a good story and a life lesson. If that, yep. And if that's not worth it, I don't know what it is. <laughs> you forgive forgive the pipe uh, for the special, uh, you know, case that you, uh, man, you bought it from the source. So there pretty you go. Cool. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, great question there, Brian. And hey, if you've got a pipe question for us, be sure to uh, write into the show, show at countrysquireradio.com. Again, that is show at countrysquireradio.com. 
Quick Fire with the Squire. Quick Fire questions! Ow! All right, man. Quick Fire questions coming in from Alex H. Ice Cream Edition. Ice Cream Edition? What? Yeah. Here we man, go. I love ice cream. I know. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. I, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose lose some some friends over this one, man. I I, I am a I'm a fan of vanilla, and I, and I, there's no I, shame I, in that. No, I I just I want to make sure that this is very clear. So because I I already know that the emails, the hate the hate messages are coming in. <laughs> Let me be very clear. Uh, vanilla is a canvas. Okay. Vanilla okay. is a canvas. Okay. And and if I want some chocolate, I can sprinkle on some some chocolate chips or some M&Ms or something of that nature. If I yeah. want some fruit, I can sprinkle on some uh I uh, some some uh, strawberries. It is a canvas for this multitude of flavors. Chocolate <laughs> is fine. I like chocolate, but I like chocolate like on top of, like chocolate fudge. Too uh, chocolate okay. ice cream is too much chocolate for me. Uh yeah. so so yes, vanilla is a canvas. I'm going with vanilla. That's why I always say that's why they make chocolate and vanilla. You know, you get yeah. to pick. <laughs> yeah, send, send, send hate feedback to at John David Cole. Right, uh, right. Sprinkles or whipped cream? Whipped cream. I, uh, I feel like I have very, I feel like I have very uh, quick answers on the, like, this is truly quick. No, quick you know, fire. you like, know your, you know your just, ice cream. That's yeah, good. No, it's, it's whipped cream. All right. Uh, between the two, yeah, whipped cream. Sprinkles are good, good for texture, bad for flavor. Yep. Uh, cone or bowl? Cone. I'm a bowl guy, and as a Mississippian, I'm surprised that you're a cone guy. I I like a waffle cone, man. Wait, how are you going to turn down a waffle cone? Because they because outside in the summer heat, man, it melts way too fast and it starts <laughs> dripping you eat down. It quick. <laughs> okay, fair point. Fair point. Uh, Store bought or homemade? Um, you know, I I haven't. You know, it, I, my grandmother used to make homemade ice cream. I I don't have a lot of experience with it. You know, so I'll. I'm sure it's better, so I guess I ought to stay, say, you know, homemade. But, um, man, store-bought, that's what we do, and I, I love it. Man, I finally gave up on homemade this last past uh, – uh, we took a trip down to the coast and everything, and we we tried for the last time to make homemade ice cream the way that we used to when I was kids. And I was like, you know what? This is just not worth the sound. We can never quite get the consistency. It's always too hot, so you can never keep the ice melt like frozen long enough. So, yeah, give me give me store-bought. Any day, any time, I will take store-bought right now. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah store bought. And then uh, finally, ice cream or gelato? Ice cream. Gelato's cute. I like it. I mean, it's fun. But man, it, ice cream. I, I mean, I put away some gelato uh, like long time ago when we went to Italy. Uh, that was like I first had gelato in Italy, which was kind of cool. And they had like gelato shops at like every single corner for these like like tiny like you know they give you like these really really like really uh, thin. Uh, cones with this like little tiny scoop of ice cream on it or I'm right. sorry gelato on it and you know you try a lot of flavors and it's kind of like this fun walk and eat type deal but come on no man if I'm having ice cream give me some ice cream <laughs> I would have I picked you for a gelato guy I'm gonna be honest like you're, you're <laughs> I, I don't dislike gelato like you're the guy when we took a group to New Orleans you're the guy that like everyone was getting a you know whiskey sour or old-fashioned and you were like i'll have a glass of pinot grigio thank you very much man you will not let me live that down nah, you'll, Listen, never, you'll never live that down <laughs> come on all right all right we know we know between the two of us who's the gin drinker and who's the whiskey no, that's drinker. Right. I, look i like white wine too it's just uh, it, it's a great uh-huh. memory great memory <laughs> well there you go there there's the uh uh the ice cream edition alex and hey thanks for sending those in if you've got some quick fire questions for us send them into the show show at countrysquireradio.com again that is show at country Square radio.com your thoughts your comments listener feedback listen to feedback 
First one coming in from Gene B. Gene has to say this. I really like the tin design on the God Tins. All right, this is from back when we did the uh, the Tobacco Talk recently. The Savinelli uh, God series that they did. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So I said, I really like the tin design on the God Tins. I like how it works as a series. I'm hoping that there are more to come since there are plenty of Roman gods left. My favorite of the group has been Juno. Uh, upon opening the tin, I was welcomed by the sweet, grassy smell of Virginia's. The flakes are broken and comp- uh, comprised of lighter and darker components. Moisture content was ideal and didn't require extra drying. Took a few lights and to really get it going with a light tamping in between, sweet high notes throughout, uh, some medium range supporting. Strength to me is between mild and medium, produced a little moisture, which was easy to remove with a cleaner. I think uh, I think it stacks up great against the other straight Virginias going into the summer. So Gene B, writing a great Man, little review right there. I love uh, that review. That's from our friend Gene Boker, Bowker, uh, who is a longtime supporter uh, of the show, Squire Club member, and um, and we just are very thankful for Gene over the years. And um, Yeah, thanks for writing in. I, I love that review, man. You ought to do that professionally. I'm telling <laughs> you, man. That's good. All right, so the last one we up, we got uh, Scott E., who says, uh, have you guys done an episode that touches on blends with cigar leaf? If not, how about a tobacco talk on the topic? Love the show. Thanks, guys. And again, that is coming in from Scott E. I, I think we have done one, Bo. We'll have to go back and look. But um, yeah, I think I think we have done a, a cigar leaf centric episode. But um, yeah, some good good tobaccos there that feature that and certainly plenty more to be, uh, you know, be talked about if, if we haven't mentioned it before. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right. I, that does sound familiar. At, at the very least, I think we've had a pipe question of the week in the past that was specifically related to getting cigar smoker. Like, like someone had a friend who was a cigar smoker, but they wanted to get them on pipe tobacco. So, what was a good like cigar know, leaf? In, yeah, maybe yeah, to help yeah, them transition yeah. over, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Something like that. Some good cigar leaf, uh, you know, available, uh, it, or, you know, tins, the tobaccos that are available. I, occasionally I'll experiment with it. We used to have a couple blends that had cigar leaf in it here at the uh, at the Country Squire. Uh, we don't anymore. Um, I've got a whole bunch of cigar leaf here that I need to tinker with. But uh, it's one of those tobaccos, you know, when you're smoking it you, you in a pipe, you just really need to have a full stomach. <laughs> so but it's good. It's very robust. Good stuff. And hey, great question. I, I tell you what, I, I will go back and take a look at it. Because like I said, I do think that we have talked about it in our archives. So be sure to check check back there. If not, if, I, if I'm if I am remembering correctly, and it was just a pipe question of the week, it may be worth going back and either doing a tobacco talk on if not a, a full episode. So uh, great yeah. suggestion right there, uh, Scotty, and we will. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely follow back up with it. And then, of course, you can always keep up with us. We love getting this feedback in. Uh, it's a great way to help out the show by heading over to iTunes and writing us a review. Uh, also, if you want to help out the show in a monetary way, that is also very, very welcome by joining the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club over at patreon.com slash Radio. You can also keep up with us throughout the week. I'm at The Real Bo York. I'm at John David Cole, or you can get us at the shop at at underscore Country Squire. And, of course, all that information and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. Man, we, uh, we, 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 uh, we bless the pipe tobacco grown in Africa. Ah, bless the pipe tobacco. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm referring to. Like, this is, this is the... <laughs> no, no clue. I, I, I do know you should keep your day job, but... Oh, well, that, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't uh, I don't anticipate seeing you at the uh, Hard Rock in downtown uh, Houston there anytime soon. But, hey, um, you're right. Or the, the House of Blues or whatever it is. Yeah, but anyway, uh, man, no, that's that's great. Yeah, man, African tobacco, pipe capital of the world, and uh, man, such a such a center of tobacco production for uh, the pipe community. And um, you know, I, I'm 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 hoping a lot of people uh, came away today. Or my hope with this today was to throw that curveball, and um, you know that a longtime pipe smoker that thought, uh, you know, maybe they knew exactly what they were smoking. Well, maybe maybe they have something to think about now. You know, man, I I, I was consuming something that I that I didn't know everything about, and now uh, you know it's it's interesting to learn that uh, some of your favorite tobaccos are are grown in places like Zimbabwe and uh, and not necessarily just in North Carolina. So uh, kind of cool. We love the North Carolina tobacco too. We wouldn't be here without it. But um, yeah, just kind of fun. So yep. Pretty good. There you go. Can, can I just ask you one favor for the future? Yeah. Next time, can we please focus on a much smaller region? I would love for this <laughs> series to last more than like seven episodes. No, man. You know, I, I, I don't know. I was thinking for next time, we'll go with the Western Hemisphere. Oh, How my gosh. That? All right. Yeah. Next time, Pipe Planets of the World. <laughs> pipe right. Planets of the Universe. No right. Series. I don't know. Well, we can do moons. You know, there's like, you know, I don't oh know, goodness. Triton and Enceladus and, wow. you know, tr- you know, all, all those. <laughs> Hey, man, let's go have a week. See you, brother. (laughs) 